Welcome back to the Deep Fade. My name is Zach Elliot, joined as always, our sometimes, by Mr. Raven Gasser. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Today, in the what will soon be a hellish landscape of Chicago this evening, we're going to run through baseball and only baseball today. Spring training has begun. Uh, some teams have played as many four games as of the time we were speaking on Tuesday morning. And we're going to run through. We're going to go through each team in the AL, then move on to the NL. Quick breakdowns. And then we're going to give over and under picks for each team on their over and unders on the season for their win totals. And then, yeah, I, I will not claim that uh, baseball is my first love behind football or basketball, but it is one of the three main ones. And we're going to go through, try and give our at least tacit appreciation of each team and then get a uh, get a bigger view of what to look forward to this season. But Raven, how are you doing? Doing good. We had uh, our boy Sully in today on the deep, not the deep fade, but on That's the good morning one. hockey. Um, but yeah. How'd he do? <laughs> Taz has reminded him now to, uh, that he had to talk into the microphone, I think four times. So where did he talk? Uh, just into space. Like he realized that there's a microphone in the room, but just wasn't speaking into it like how you or I do. So I don't either. I just like nervously hunch over my computer naturally and the microphone just happens to be there. So it generally plays into my strengths, but good. I'm glad. Before we get into everything, two quick notes of emphasis that I don't think we actually really dove into at all. We talked about Manfred a little bit, but not this deep. So Yeah, Manfred, Rob Manfred, commissioner of the MLB, announces his retirement in 2029. And my main thing with this is, well, two. Does, does this affect negotiations in a negative way, knowing that you have a lame duck commissioner? Because I know that we've, we've felt this way about coaches that are playing out the string that we know are going to get fired at the end of the season or players that express a clear desire to leave in free agency or by trade, that when you set this like ultimate point of departure, that it kind of feels like someone who's just waiting for tenure or just playing out the string until their pension cashes. So I, for a guy that I think, I mean, we can, we can argue about the differences between baseball and hockey here, but for a guy that I think is the worst commissioner of the four major American sports, are we happy that even though we don't approve of the guy that this is this long of a timeline until he's out the door? Because I feel like it might do more damage than good. I mean, that's kind of what my last point is there, where it's like he's going to be here for five more years. So plus like, this one. So. Why now? Exactly. Like, why do you, A, do you announce that now unless you're saying this so you can just be like, oh, I, I want to try stuff before I leave? Sure, but they, that's another thought behind it where it says, hey, it's like, I'm getting out the door soon. So if you want to get something in at the last minute, you need to tell me now. But they got the pitch clock instituted and they got the shifts instituted 
And those things have been to, at least in the former's case, very great effect. Mm-hmm. So again, why not? Now, Bud Selig did stuff like this too, not to the same degree where it's this many years out and it seems like a firm deadline. But do we actually think that he's going to retire in 2029? I He seems... I go, don't think so. I, I think back to his comments on uh, the commissioner's trophy being just a trophy. And that leads me to believe that he might just be a lawyer who got a good job and is cool leaving the desk after, after this amount of time. But what is his legacy to the game? Because Selig is... Like I, every commissioner is going to be in the Hall of Fame from here on out, basically for sentimentality reasons. But Bud Selig did a lot over the course of his time in baseball. Um, he also presided over the most profitable and controversial era in baseball with steroids, and that is what is his legacy. Is Manfred's the pitch clock, or is his being the guy that kind of allowed baseball to take? Almost a third seat slash four seat in the the sports rankings. Hell, I would think that America has come around a lot more on soccer even. Yeah, I mean, with Messi and the MLS now, yeah, definitely. But I, I was talking about it with some family, but, like, we were saying that what if he does, like, a robo ball strikes... Like, th- that being him that, like, like, le- leaving a fart in the elevator Essentially, as yeah. Where he's like, everyone's complaining about this so much that, you know what, I'm just going to do it and then get out. Then it's not my problem. Yeah. If you guys want to change it, you can, but this is how it's going to be for at least a year. So there's too much to talk about for this to be the robot umpire pod. But what do you think? I do think it's moving in that direction. I feel like every single year, more and more complaints about ref uh like umps and calls behind the plate but i don't think umps are gonna go away anytime soon they're still needed in baseball i think the way that the minor leagues are doing it where the batter has a few challenges that he can use i think that really i'm i'm interested in it i think it would be cool it it does make the game more I think people, Technical, but like at I the think same just time, like the pitch away. I think just like the pitch clock, people that were complaining would get over it really fast. Pitch because clock the, wasn't the end of the world, yeah. Pitch clock was great, it, it and and like pitchers needed. and batters that were grumbling about it. Like I think the guys that said, "Wow, this is different," got used to it, and then everyone else was like, "This is a huge improvement" because it lops thirty minutes off the game. Additionally. A little free agent notes before we talk into the rest of these teams, because these projections are going to get changed by especially one of these guys signing. Initially, it was the Boris Four, now with Bellinger re-signing with Chicago. Huh. It becomes the Boris Three. Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, and Matt Chapman. So, throughout this, I think we will come back to pointing out that Team X should sign these guys, when in reality... Every team that's not like the Rockies and Nationals has a reason to sign one of these guys to significant money. Blake Snell has two Cy Youngs to his name. Montgomery was possibly the most important player on the Rangers in their playoff run. And Matt Chapman had a down offensive year, but he's not like hitting a cliff by any means. 
Is there anyone that jumps out? Snell, I think, is the best player of the three. Is there anyone specifically other than the Yankees that jumps out as a good spot for him? I mean, not off the top of my head. I would just say whoever really just needs, like, maybe the Orioles. I was thinking that, too, because they have dealt with a um, with a number of injuries as we've gotten into spring training, where Burns is obviously still projected to... Uh, to be the lead guy and adding an ace to a team that like what's the refrain for it's like the superman what do you give the man who has everything you give him corbin burns but kyle bradish who probably would have bradish i say his name wrong who is probably going to be their opening day starter if they didn't trade for burns having some injury issues and then someone like john means who coming into spring training was seemingly behind schedule on his recovery. That rotation looks a little flimsy again. So I agree uh, that getting someone like Montgomery or Snell would be great. I think that they would become a death star with those two at the top of the rotation if they stay healthy. And then Chapman, I just wanted to sign with the Cubs, so I don't really have anything to add to that. But without further ado, we're going to lead off in the AL because Raven and I have probably have more thoughts on the NL anyway, so we might as well lead off outside of our comfort zone. Starting off, these teams are going to be listed by division, so we're going to go for both central to east to west in both leagues, and then these teams are listed in order of their over-under in wins projections at the time of typing, which was last night and from FanDuel. So first, in the AL Central, the Twins have an over-under of 87.5, in the offseason, they acquired Anthony Descalfani, who was terrible last year, and then Justin Topa, relief pitcher in a trade from Seattle. They have four top 100 prospects, none of them pitchers. Uh, Pablo Lopez is still solid. Joe Ryan had a bad year last year, but is still a candidate to bounce back. As always with the Twins, they finally want a, they finally want a damn playoff series, which after years of being like, you can't even call them the Twins. They have to be the Tins because they don't deserve the W in their name. <laughs> them actually getting over the hump and beating the Jays was huge. So now, generally better vibes than have been around them for like 20 years. You're relying on Byron Buxton being healthy, which is like a waiting, betting on Mercury, Mercury to be in retrograde. Uh, Carlos Correa finding his Astros hitting peak and... Royce Lewis continuing to be more awesome. Their, I think, future all-star. Him being great and more ABs would be amazing. But pitching seems to primarily the issue, which is always a theme of half of these teams. Getting off the schneid improves the vibes, and I ultimately think they are an over, especially in a division that features the White Sox and Royals. Yeah, I agree. I think this might be the year that they kind of really get over that hump that they've been struggling to get over. Hopefully a little bit deeper in the playoffs this October, but yeah, I'll take the over on that too. I think it's close and we, I mean, we already nailed it for the most part. I really think that I I don't want to do this for literally every team, but the twins after getting Correa showed that they are a team that is willing to actually make moves. So maybe not Snell because I don't think that he would 
seemingly have interest there. But again, if you can get someone like Montgomery, spend whatever money you have because solidify that rotation and you're already walking to a division title because your second competition here is the Tigers, who are an over-under of 80.5. In the offseason, they got Gio Urshela, Shelby Miller, Jack Flaherty, Chafin. They have five top 100 prospects and one just outside with uh, Justin Henry and Beloy, who's an outfielder. They have deep top-end talent in the system. They're relying on guys like Colt Keith and Parker Meadows, who are both position players in that system to develop as hitters because their pitching rotation, <coughs> I think, has a chance to be an elevator where Therese Scooball, Kenta Maeda, Jack Flaherty, Reese Olsen, and then Casey Mize as a balance back candidate is exciting. And it's a reason why they are still projecting as a 500 team, despite being third to last in OPS plus last season. OPS plus, if you're not aware, 100 is league average. So it normalizes all stats to 100 middle point at the average. And then if you're below or above that, then that is whether you're below or an average as a hitter. As a team, they were third from the bottom. So... Adding guys like Urshela, who, I mean, doesn't really move me, is nice, but they need that top farm system talent to come up and hit. Some of those guys are going to play almost instantly. So, again, I, I think with that for the last two years, I think ever since they got Baez, honestly, and that crashed and burned, we've thought of them as a team that could really take a jump up. But I really like their pitching. And for any team where if my question is about pitching, there's about hitting and not pitching, I think you can cobble together more hits than you can innings pitched. So I say over. They haven't won more than 81 games since 2016. Yeah, but so this is the year. I'm taking the under. But this is the year. Still taking the under. Why are you a hater? Because it's Detroit. Detroit. What's your most significant Detroit Tigers memory? Ooh, um... I would say, like, Miggy playing. Like, the, I have some memories of that, but then also I would have to say, like, Prince Fielder going to Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Look. They haven't been good. It, it's been a while. I so. think maybe also, like, just looking at it, I mean, Spencer Torkelson taking a step. Again, we already mentioned Colt Keith, who might start right away. Parker Meadows. Riley Green still has some shine left, I guess. I don't know. They have utility legend Zach McKinstry on the roster, too. Look, I again, I think it's one of those teams where you're so much more likely to have one position player hit way above his weight class than you are able to cobble together a rotation of solid starters, and they've already done the latter. So that's just where I'm coming from. On the other side, just below them, Guardians, over under 78 and a half. In the offseason, they acquired relief pitcher Scott Barlow, starting pitcher Ben Lively, catcher Austin Hedges, and then outfielder Estevan Floreal in a trade from the Yankees, who was formerly a better prospect, but eh. For the record, all of these acquisitions, I might not list every single one, and I might miss a significant minor league contract of a guy who might come up and get 200 ABs or pitch 50 innings, but like... This is supposed to be the ones of note, and if you are hurt about me not mentioning 
minor league contracts, then I'm sorry. I really am. They have a good top eight in their farm system. And then as far as their lineup, they have five players with a WRC+, plus, which again, stat explanation time, that means weighted runs created plus, averages out to 100, is just trying to aggregate all of a player's offensive value, including base running, including like plate discipline, including average and power too, just trying to normalize it out to one standard number. Those being the guys over the 100, Jose Ramirez, Andres Jimenez, Stephen Kwan, uh, Bo Naylor, who is coming off injury, and Josh Naylor. And then on the other side, pitching for them, Shane Bieber, Tanner Bibby, Tristan McKenzie, Logan Allen, and Gavin Williams. I want to... Like my my early prediction here is under also because I think that the Guardians have kind of been listless ever since they lost the World Series. But the White Sox in this division make me nervous about giving the, any of the rest of these teams under, and this team still has Emmanuel Class A and can close out close games at the end. But their their top heavy lineup leaves me wanting, and I landed on an under. I agree. I think they're getting pieces, but the puzzle still doesn't fit right. Sure. It's so poetic. Thank you. I have such a way with words. I, I also, in any of these teams that have one of the, one of the like absolute dog day of summers, um, like 30 losses in a row teams, I'm really hesitant to say unders on because I don't think that's the Royals. But I do think that's the White Sox, and we'll get to them. But the fact that they're not projected to lose 100 games is mind-boggling to me because if they lost 19-0 to the Twins in their season series, I wouldn't be, like, shocked. <laughs> Next, Royals over under 73.5. They made a lot of sneaky additions. If you, uh, if you want a good read... The Athletic has their uh, like offseason survey for MLB teams, and despite their over-under being 73.5, the Royals did end up being one of the most improved because they went out and got guys like Austin Nola. I love voice cracking today. Second baseman Adam Frazier, Hunter Renfro, Michael Waka, Chris Stratton, Seth Lugo, uh, reliever Will Smith, and Garrett Hampton at shortstop. They don't have any top 100 prospects. Yikes. But Cole Reagans and Brady Singer are cool as young guys that are on the team. And they filled out the rotation with Waka and Lugo. But they still have the second lowest projected war by pitchers, despite adding those vets. I'm actually a huge fan of retooling in this way as you're a rebuilding team. Teams like the White Sox, who I will continue to use as the bad example of a team. Actually, I take that back. The A's are worse. But... I prefer doing this and filling out your rotation or your lineup with like shorter term guys that will help your Bobby Witts who just signed a massive extension or guys like Vinny Pascantino to come along in their development, have real leadership presence, and then they don't lose 110 games, which if you care about basketball and have seen players from the Philadelphia 76ers, you understand that losing has a negative effect on player development because you just become okay with it. It's different in baseball because you just win and lose so many games, but 
I prefer this, and it will make them a little bit more palatable as long as those guys stay healthy. Pascantino, Bobby Witt, and someone like MJ Melendez being that weird catching outfielder, infielder, gadget guy at, as another young guy that might go off is the only way I think this team really overcomes those pitching woes. They're going to need plenty of time to continue to rebuild that system and then get some luck from what is already a weak farm system to elevate. I say under. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> they're not good. But I just read your note. Shout out Hunter Renfro and uh, my favorite brewer of all time, Will Smith. I'll blur all that out. I don't care, but... Dude, that's like my one memory of him is just like watching the game and being like, what's that on his arm? And then immediately being called out in the game and just being like, ah, yeah, you needed. What's wrong with performance enhancers? It's not drugs, I guess. So I, just want, I want the juiced Olympics, but in baseball. <laughs> the enhanced games. The Chicago Whites, the Nashville White Sox, pardon me, uh, over under 63 and a half. They have negative war projected from their relief pitchers, <laughs> which I I think I've seen before, but holy shit. They acquired John Brebbia, Martin Maldonado. Uh, whenever there's cross-pollination from the Cubs and Brewers, it's fun to shout it out, but there you go. Who we found out prior to recording today. I remember him playing four games for the Cubs in 2019, but there you go. And then the venerable Paul DeJong. They have, a, they have five top 100 prospects. They have a borderline top 10 system, which is better than teams like the Rockies or the aforementioned Royals who still have weakness in the system despite being a bad team. This season kind of feels, well, okay, it feels about whether or not they actually remain the Chicago White Sox, but it's about Dylan Cease getting traded and then hoping Michael Kopech isn't going to be a complete disaster for the rest of his career too. Like, Tweaky Toussaint does not inspire the masses. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, if you're already, you know, cutting stuff out, <laughs> your stadium in Bridgeport, <laughs> Jerry. Um, another good piece, Athletic, if you if you are at all interested, breaking down Reinsdorf, who has already gotten done this maneuver before and gotten public funding for a stadium, and now is doing it again. He turns 88, and now he's threatening, oh, I might sell off the team to someone who wants to move them to, to so-and-so. If you ever play the uh, like the the NBA 2K My GM mode, mm-hmm. there's a there's a storyline in one of those years that that got memed to death, where it was like you were working for a guy who wanted to move the team to Seattle, where and then it gets yanked back at the last minute. That's what this feels like, where it's just going to be Jerry kind of like pulling this pud about the prospect of moving a team with a century of history in the city to make more money, to get public funding, because you're not going to make more money in Nashville than you are in Chicago, even at like, and this is not like the Los Angeles Rams and the Chargers, where the Chargers are just the like alopecia stepchild that is tried to be ignored in the corner. Like it, it is a coexistence between them and the Cubs. The city loves both teams. They don't shun one and then accept the other. It's, it's silly for a lot of reasons, but it is completely in character. And Reinsdorf has never really cared about the, the aftermath of 
his financial decisions. But that is what it is. Baseball. Uh, you're also trying to determine if Eloy Jimenez has value. Like, he's still hypothetically young enough that if you can find a way to keep him healthy over the course of a few seasons, maybe he becomes even more valuable or is a presence in a lineup that needs some kind of presence unless Andrew Vaughn decides that he's actually a good prospect. I have to say under, and I think it's under by a lot. Like, I know I know you have your thoughts, but I just... There's so much surrounding this team, too, that no matter what... I. They're putting up signs in spring training, too, about motivational messages. I'm just out. Under by, like, 12. <laughs> yeah, I was saying sneaky over, but... No, no, that's you're, just you're completely because, justified. Ju- that's just because, like, I think they're in a spot where they can try stuff, which a lot of these other teams, besides the Royals, I would say, are really capable of. So now it's, like, just scrap together what you can. Try bring guys up, try to make moves for younger guys, I think is definitely the play, but it's going to be hard. I'm going to call this season the cautionary tale because you never have as long to think as to win as you think you might. And Luis Robert is still great, and there's still a couple of good players on this team, but it fell apart fast after they were a, a preseason World Series pick like two years ago. So just be careful. Moving on, AL East. Projected at the top, the New York Yankees over under 93 and a half. In the offseason, they got Juan Soto, Alex Verdugo, Trent Grisham, and then relief pitcher Victor Gonzalez. On the periphery here, former super prospect Jason Dominguez is still in the top 25, but it's a system mostly predicated on depth. So they still have reinforcements in the wing, and it's still an okay system, but you're lacking in the top-end talent that has excited in your past, whether that's Volpe or Dominguez himself. The rotation, as of today, is Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon, Marcus Stroman, RIP, uh, Nestor Cortez, and Clark Schmidt. They seem like a Blake Snell away from being the clear-cut team over the Orioles, and he's been absolutely rumored there. The lineup is still amazing. If Volpe, and now, did you see skinny Stanton? No. Now Stanton minus a few pounds, if they can, no pun intended, carry their weight, them with a lineup of Judge and Soto is borderline unfair. But I'm still nervous about their pitching depth and about the fact that guys like Rodone and Stroman have had off years in the years past. And if those guys get off track quickly and they don't have Snell's reinforcement, I think that that starting pitching is a sneaky weakness. And that is why I have them as an under have them over, but they're still losing to the Dodgers. Well, in the world series. Sure. Yep. <laughs> I don't I don't think that that's that's speaking out of turn at all. Look, that and their I mean they they have a, a questionable pen as is. Look, it's it's not a case of anti-Yankees bias, which I am never going to claim to not have. But like we we've seen this game before where it's you have a a top 3 that you somewhat believe in, but then one is not 
the man you thought you married. And then in the back end, like, they have Clay Holmes, who I, I trust, but then it's Ian Hamilton, Tommy Canely, which cool. Jonathan Lasaga, Caleb Ferguson, Nick Ramirez, not superstars. I think that having Soto stabilizes the lineup in a way that even if one of their regulars falls off a cliff, whether that's Rizzo, whether that's DJ LeMahieu or someone else, Verdugo isn't like an elite hitter by any means, but in this lineup, he might feel the comfort to get above an 800 OPS, and then you just have another guy like that. This is not me trying to be a hater. It's just I see a legitimate Jenga block that might fall out if someone like Rodone regresses a ton again. Orioles, kind of the darling of this season and last, I would say. Over under 89 and a half. I would say that the only acquisition that we need to talk about at length is Corbin Burns coming over from the Brewers and then future acquisitions who will likely play significant roles this year. Number one overall prospect, Jackson Holiday, and then uh, top borderline top 50 outfield prospect, Hassan Kujerstad. They're both inbound and they have several others that are in the wings in what is the best system in the game. Corbin Burns is obviously the story. He shorts up a rotation for a team that jumped way ahead of schedule last year on the back of their hitting, and they had the sixth most projected war from their bats. And that's only with Kajur, Stad, and Holiday being considered to play like 80, 90, sparingly positive games. Because if you look at projections, especially from like fan graphs, which is what I'm primar- primarily looking at here, they don't go overboard with the rookies. Now, if Holiday comes in and he is like Gunner last year or has the same impact as an Adley or if Kajurstad can come on in a crazy way, then what was already a great offense becomes maybe the best in the league. Their top five after Burns is becoming flimsier, as we discussed at the top, but Corbin Burns, Grayson Rodriguez, Kyle Bradish, Dean Kramer, and John Means, they are another Montgomery team. Without a doubt, them, him or Snell. I just I see Snell jumping to one of the top markets. Fuck, he might pardon. He might sign with the with the Dodgers too, just because money. Life is fun that way. And then finally, something uh, I don't want to say hanging over this season because I don't think it's been super negatively reported. But David Rubenstein, who is the former co-founder of the Carlisle Investment Group, is the leader of an ownership group that just bought them just bought the Orioles and is going to, I think I read, take ownership sometime in April. Which, having a new owner right at the beginning of the season, we know how new owners can get in sports. I don't... It kind of scares me because they have all these good prospects and they have an investment guy coming in who might have a little bit of that new owner syndrome and say, hey, we need to make a deal to put us over the top. And then... They are the team I think will end up training for Dylan Cease. Because I think both a combination of new owner syndrome and a realization that even with Burns, they would benefit from even more top-end starting pitching talent. And that is why I already believe in them with this construction of the team. Please stay healthy, Bradish. I believe in them with this construction of the team and have an over. I think that they are in a prime position to get one more. I agree. 
completely. I think they're going to trade for maybe one piece, like a pitcher. Mm-hmm. But system's been cooking absolutely in the last 10 years. So they're really set. Was Burns your favorite brewer? Uh, no, I, I, gotta, I can't lie that uh, Josh Hader trade hurt more than the Corbin Burns. Just because Corbin Burns was like ripped off like a Band-Aid. Whereas, like, we knew we were going to lose either Williams or Hader. So. Uh, this is just coming from a division rival who's watched them a lot. I like, I kind of think of Williams almost to the same degree as I thought of Hader. And, like, when they traded him and they still had Williams as a closer, mm-hmm. I was still pretty, like, scared at the end of games. Oh yeah, I'm not for what it's complaining. Worth. I think Devin Williams yes, is are, a fantastic but pitcher, but like having that little setup combo of Josh Hader and then immediately Devin Williams after that, it was really, really unstoppable. But if you asked me which one I would have rather kept, I would have said Josh Hader. Looking I th- back, I think I statistically say, you're 100 percent right. I just looking back, I'm kind of glad they did it. Hmm. So. Blue Jays, over under 87 and a half. Major acquisitions, quote unquote, Justin Turner, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, and Kevin Kiermeyer. Weaker system, three top 100 guys with not a lot of people on the fringe of getting up there. They still have a young roster that tricked a lot of people, I think including me, into picking them to at least make the World Series last year. They are... Facing more questions because of the events of last year. Alcmanoa needs to bounce back. Yusei Kikuchi repeating a solid starting year with 32 starts would be huge. And then behind Gaussman, Chris Bassett, Jose Barrios. Again, it's a lot of the same stuff that we were talking about with the Yankees. Where having that pitching infrastructure is cool and having these names that you know and then some prospect pedigree in Manoa as a guy who can bounce back and put himself into a position to be in that top three again it's a good spot to be in and then the lineup is still sick where you have Vladito, Bo Bichette, Alejandro Kirk, Springer even like I mean we're not going to talk a lot about Justin Turner just because of his age but he I still think has a spot in the league where he can be a mid 700s OPS guy. Kevon Biggio is a player that exists who I think at least plays a healthy. I I have nothing good to say about Kevon Biggio, honestly, but the true story is whether or not Guerrero can get back to that first Shohei Otani MVP season level. Because if you go back to it, he hit like 350 and led the AL in home runs in a season that if you were not going up against the greatest baseball player to ever live, he would have been in a runaway MVP at an extremely young age. And he's projected as like a monumental hitter again. His defense still leaves a lot to be desired. But if he's going to take over as, especially now that Shohei's in the NL, if he wants to take over as the best player in his league, now's the time. And I think that is the determining factor because they need that superstar to break 88 wins, I think. Otherwise, we're going to have another 
middling season. No offense to Bo Bichette, but he can't be the best player on a team with World Series hopes. Agreed. So I landed on... I'm changing it now under... <laughs> I, I was going to say, I'm keeping, keeping mine for under just because... I mean, I think they're going to be decent, but I don't think they're winning 87 games. I think it's going to be like 82, 83. If it's another case of division bias, too, where you have to just be aware of the Yankees and the Orioles being the ones that are so clearly at the top of this division. And then, like, their bullpen is okay, but Jordan Romano, Yemi Garcia, Tim Miza are not necessarily the same as like the Orioles front three in the rotation or or what the Yankees have up there too. Look, I, I'm not trying to be negative again, but fool me one shame on you. Fool me one twice shame on me. Rays over under 84 and a half. Major acquisitions. Ahmed Rosario who is replacing he who shall not be named, and then Phil Matten. They only have one pitcher in their top 10 prospects, which seems prescient for a team that needs a glut of pitchers for the way that they play. This team is suffering from losing a very dumb superstar and then general injury concern. I think that a healthy Zach Eflin as a starter, Zach Littell, Aaron Savali, Shane Baz as a real potential front-end starter... And then Ryan Pepio is awesome. I'm just dubious that they're going to survive all 162 games. They need a position player really to break out to go over this. And this is, the f- again, we are talking this way about the Tampa Bay Rays, a team that is notorious for being underprojected. And I am almost certain that Kevin Cash and co are going to make me feel silly for saying this. I just have so little faith in the idea of Jose Caballero breaking out at shortstop or like Randy Rosarino winning MVP, which is the kind of thing that it would require for this offense to perform in a way that can match up with the other players in this division. I say under. I agree. I think, I mean, I don't really know any of these pitchers personally, so that's my biggest thing, but I know they are younger so i'm gonna go under baz is the game changer here because if z if he and zach eflin who they turned into a real weapon last year alongside aaron savali can be a a three-headed monster up there i think that they're going to be able to just carry the day on the back of their pitching again because pete fairbanks is a dynamite closer jason adam former cubs legend I say that knowing that he's become a really good reliever as he's into his 30s, but like I remember being terrified anytime that he would come in as a cub, which is not a compliment by any means. Phil Matten is another guy that's going to get big innings for them, so it's a good acquisition in the offseason. Another thing with projections for the Rays is that if you if you're dubious on whether or not they're going to be healthy or whether or not they're going to be able to hit with the roster they currently have, they're not going to make a lot of acquisitions. 
they don't spend a lot of money. And so if you're like, what could they do to make a move that would change this projection suddenly at the trade deadline or in the first few months of the season, that's not a lot, which I think reduces the variance and makes you feel more comfortable going under. Last and least, Boston Red Sox, over under, under 79 and a half. Acquisitions, Liam Hendricks and then Lucas Giolito, who I think had a 7 ERA after joining the Angels last year. It's a top 10 system with five top 100 prospects. Shortstop Marcelo Meyer, who is in the minors for them, is the truth. He's just been injured and needs to stay healthy. Brian Bello, Nick Pavetta, and Lucas Giolito can't be your top three pitchers in 2024. Devers calling out the team building is like 100% justified in a way that I is rare to see. But he's their best player, and you're just shipping off another good outfielder in Verdugo in this offseason, who likely has a long career ahead of him. Verdugo isn't Mookie Betts, but it's not... It's bringing back the same vibes where you're saying, oh, we have this great player that we could lock up for the long term. But nah. Look, Von Grissom is, is a good acquisition. And your hitting core being primarily young guys led by Devers is, is a really good place to be in. And look, I mean, Theo Epstein coming back to the team leads me to believe that they might take a more aggressive approach into the rest of this season and into next offseason to take advantage of what is a good system to either continue build around it or aggressively ship off the players that they don't need. But it would be more of a decision. Tyler O'Neill is fine, and then Trevor Story has been as mixed a bag as you will find, but generally I think we're safe to say we're down on Tristan Cassis at first. I mean, he's hurt right now too, but like, again, having a young core is a good spot to be in. I do actually trust Theo and trust this team a lot more than I did prior to him getting hired, but I think we're in agreement that they're pretty strong under. Yeah. I mean, they're still rebuilding. There's nothing really else to say. Moving on, AL West, Houston Astros, over under 93 and a half. They were one game away from going to the World Series and being Arizona last year. Biggest acquisitions, obviously, being Josh Hader last year, and then in the offseason proper, Victor Caratini. Bottom five system with not a ton of it working up, but they don't really need it right now. Uh, the long list of hitters that they have with over 100 WRC plus projected. Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, who just got re-signed, Yanir Diaz, Jose Abreu, Chas McCormick, Jeremy Pena, and then potentially John Singleton and Caratini in limited games. I want to so badly project them to be so far over because with Framber Valdez, Verlander healthy, Christian Javier, Hunter Brown, JP France, Jose Uriquity, Lance McCullers, Brian Abreu, Ryan Presley, Josh Hader, starter, reliever, they are ridiculous. And at the moment, aren't I mean, you have concerns about Verlander's age and so on, but I am so confident in an over. Yeah, I mean... It's a team that hasn't changed much. 
So, yeah, they they really have kept their core, and when you're a winning team that's keeping their core, you're expected to keep winning. I think Caratini's getting 35 or more stolen bases this year, <laughs> but uh, over. Over on his stolen bases or over on the win total? Over on the win total, and uh, Caratini's just getting 35 or more. That's all. I, I miss Vic. really do. All right. He was so fast. It was so fun to watch him. Big man move. Okay. Texas Rangers, over under 89.5. Big acquisitions, Tyler Malley, David Robertson, Travis Janikowski, Andrew Neisner. And then signed a lot of – this is the one time I'll mention them. They signed a lot of weird minor league free agents like Jonathan Holder, Diego Castillo, Shane Green. Guys that are, like, washed but might show up. They have the target on them, obviously the defending champs. Uh, shout out to Rangers fans who just go to the baseball reference page and scroll to the top where it says world champs and then just tweet that out without any context. Fire move. Wish I could do it myself. They should re-sign Montgomery immediately. Scherzer's being healthy will make or break the starters in a big way. No offense to John Gray, who has been up and down himself. Nathan Valdi's going to do what he does, but Dane Dunning and Andrew Heaney, again, not inspirational. They don't have DeGrom, and they're not going to have him. And that's not their fault, but it colors the impression a lot. And the lineup feels fragile if Seager and Simeon are not hitting in the same way that they were. I think Wyatt Langford is going to be big. Nathaniel Lowe continuing to be great. And then you have other guys in the wing that could overperform. I mean, Evan Carter, Adolis Garcia, Josh Young. And then the big one for me being if Loyalty Tavares lives up to his hitting potential when he was first coming up. That is what makes a difference here and rounds out a lineup that, I mean, Seager is amazing. Like This is not news for anyone who has cared about big teams in baseball over the last however long, but I am going with a tepid, tepid under. Agreed. They're, they got the target on their back, so it's going to be hard for them this year. Do you think that this is a team that, if you had to pick, is going to go way over or way under? Because I really do not have a read on it. As I feel like with World Series teams like the Astros of years past, like we've known that they are not going to suffer. But with the Rangers, I am... Less sure. I think I think Robertson being in the pen and then still having LeCurk back there too means I believe in their end of game pitching. I think that if someone like Cody Bradford, who is currently listed as their fifth starter, can perform as a young guy, I'd feel way better. It's just another one of those, like, you stare at the roster long enough and you convince yourself that they're worse than they are. Checks out, but I agree. I think they're gonna go way over, way under. I'm sorry. I don't. Ninety. Too many questions. Yeah, too many questions. Ninety game average seasons. I feel like aren't as common as they used to be. It's like either you're getting 110 or you're barely scrapping 80. So mm-hmm. I think going under by 10 isn't on like isn't the most crazy thing in the world. 
banging through the rest of the AL here. Mariners over under 86 and a half. Major acquisitions, Mitch Garver, Jorge Polanco. Underrated middle of the order bat, Jorge Polanco. It's a middling system that has a bunch of teenage guys that aren't going to be producing soon anyway, but if you are a fan and looking forward to the next few years, if some of those guys hit, you're going to have a steady hitting pipeline. I really love them to continue to overperform and make it back to the postseason. Their pitching was like was sneaky last year with Luis Castillo still being an ace by himself, but George Kirby breaking out, Logan Gilbert being a guy, Bryce Miller and Brian Wu. You have a good combination of the now and later guys that you know can perform in the immediate term and guys like Miller who are going to continue to grow as they get older. Hitting Julio, goddamn Rodriguez, uh, Ty France, Mitch Garver, J.P. Crawford, Cal Raleigh, Ray Polanco, Dominic Canzoni, who is a prospect who's going to come up. Hanager. My only regret for them will be if Jared Kelnick takes off in Atlanta after they trade him in the offseason. Like, the Braves are a death star in of themselves. And, I mean, there's every chance that Kelnick just gets lost in the shuffle there, but... He was such a good prospect that I would be nervous if I was the Mariners, but hey, they are building for now and later and using a guy that, hell, might fall right back off a cliff again. So that said, oh, one thing, Raven, uh, Julio Rodriguez or Kelly Oubre? Ooh, Kelly Oubre. He likes a tall man. All right. I landed on over. Uh, I'm a abstaining this is the one team i'm just like i don't know i think that putting the mariners at 86 and a half is like unfairly perfect so i'm with you let's say 87 and just move on the angels you lost otani you've wasted mike trout your top pitcher is reed detmers raymond do you know who reed detmers is uh you you get no breakdown shout out maniac uh, I, I don't get why people continue to hate on Trout for being loyal to his team, but he, like he has some questions and is not like ruled out the possibility of eventually playing somewhere else. But I mean, I guess credit to the guy who can stay with the stay with the partner who wastes all his money. But I mean, more power to you. Under. If you bet the over of this, please contact one eight hundred. Admit it. Um, Could not agree more. There, there is a place for help for you. Athletics over under fifty eight and a half. Woof! This is a disgrace. Uh, I tried to think of more depressing seasons. I couldn't land on a team where we were more disappointed heading into the season. Where my only comparisons were like the 08 Lions, and then the Sonics as they were about to move to OKC. But then also like the Browns in the the 11 games that Deshaun Watson was suspended. That's what this feels like, where it's like, oh, we're waiting on this, this brand new thing. But then it's, you know, a monster. So it's it feels the same way where it's like, oh, don't worry, guys. We're going to have a great season before we go to play in Sacramento for three years. And then go to a team and a city that probably doesn't give a shit about baseball. They have, to your point, they are so fundamentally flawed as an organization that the idea of putting together a functional team is so far out of the cards that 
I think anyone that is betting the over is just a contrarian. Strong, strong, strong under. Uh, yeah. This is maybe the worst team we've ever seen. In baseball? In modern, in like contemporary baseball history, because you can go back to the Cleveland Spiders and like look up worse shit. But when your most hope comes from Brent Rooker, who is in his late 20s, and then guys like Shea Lankleers at catcher, like. You got this, guys. Don't look at their roster. I'm not going to. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, go through the National League. All right, we are back. Okay, moving over to the NL Central. Cardinals. Boo. Sitting at over under 85 and a half. Major acquisitions. Brandon Crawford, which just happened. Uh, Can you... Do I need the music? <laughs> Turn my theme music off. Okay. <laughs> Middleton, Sonny Gray, big one. Uh, Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson, all three of those being starting pitchers at the end there. Mm-hmm. Middling system, rich and lower end starters and relievers that bolst- that uh, bracket a free agency that figured um, that figured in a lot of starting pitchers and then. Middleton as a reliever that will play. Okay, Miles Mikolas, Sonny Gray, Lanson, Kyle Gibson, and Steven Matz at their career bests. That is the projecting started rotation at their career bests is good. But I think there are a lot of reclamation products in there that do cause some concern. I think Mikolas, Mikolas, I know how to say his name, Gray, and I think one of... Lynn and Gibson are going to be good. And then I, I like Matt. So I think that is a good rotation off rip, but just keep an eye on the fact that Lance Lynn and even gray and Gibson have all had years that have left us wanting. And if that happens again, I'm just saying the devil magic only takes you so far. And then with the bats, I, I mean, Brendan Donovan, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt. I mean, some projections have Wilson Contreras being really great again, which, okay. Uh, Nolan Gorman, Jordan Walker taking a step as a a young guy from last year who's going to be, I think, getting full playing time the entire season this year. And then even in limited games, Dylan Carlson, Ivan Herrera is a prospect that's going to come up and is projected to at least take on a like a middling on base role guy who plays good defense. Look, we we are talking about my nemesis here. Raven, have you ever had a work nemesis? Like someone that you just you just go and it's just like I can't even stand to look at that guy. Eh. Maybe not to like that degree of hate, but I've definitely Not that degree of hate, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, definitely had some people I don't like. That's how I feel about this the team. Cardinals. The yeah. Cardinals, except Obviously. that it's also, it's just like, damn it, they're good at their job. They're good at everything, every year. They've rebuilt themselves pretty quickly, and then, I mean, the pen is Ryan Helsley, who's awesome, but then Andrew Kittredge, Joto Romero, Giovanni Gallegos is like their fourth, and then Middleton's pretty good, who they just signed. Uh, 
I hope Wilson sucks again. Traitor. But then they also have like Alec Burleson waiting in the wings. Tommy, Tommy Edmonds hurt right now, but he has had many good moments. Mason Wynn is probably going to be awesome, unfortunately. We both have over. Yeah. But as we'll get into, I think that this is a tight division race for a division that I think is going to be better than people are necessarily projecting right now. I appreciate your hmm because it's also how I feel. All right. Well, I'm, mine was more so because I think 85 and a half is a little low. but It feels low. But and then I, you look at the division and you're like, eh, yeah, it's kind of Well, it's also like... Spread. Because I think these teams will beat up on each other, which makes a difference. But also... Actually, no, I take that back. Because I was going to say they're going to beat up on the bottom too. But like, spoiler alert, I, I think better of the Brewers than some despite them uh, selling off things that I don't care for. And then the Pirates have a sneaky high projection and then have at least good individual players. Okay. I won't actually... Okay, the Cubs are 84 and a half right now. I'm not going to read some of my um, very fanatical notes here because I don't think they contribute. But um, Bellinger's back. Changed this damn line. Acquisitions. Shota Imanaga, Hector Neris, Cody Bellinger, Michael Bush, and Yancey Almonte. Uh, Bush being a young guy coming over in a young guy Dodgers trade that sent them over Jackson Ferris, who is a pitcher now in the Dodgers system. They have a top five system with Pico Armstrong, top 20 guy, Matt Shaw, borderline, Kevin Alcantara, and Cade Horton, a pitcher, all in the top 50. If Seiya Suzuki can be healthy, if which, oh my God, is not a given, but... Ian Happ maintaining that 20 to 25 homer power, Morell doing the same thing and being able to stick at third. You just need one of those things, plus maybe like a Nico Horner being a more at least consistent offensive player. And then you're set in a way that leaves you with little to be wanting. Justin Steele is a dog and was a borderline Cy Young guy by the end of the season. Jameson Tyone was questionable for a lot of the year but is still a guy with pedigree Hendricks is Kyle Hendricks is old but is still again a vet that has had amazing years in the past that you trust in the rotation Imanaga is hard to project because he has been reported to be filthy as hell but with these guys coming over in their first seasons as we've seen for guys like even Shohei like taking a second to hit the round running Sometimes coming over, they need a minute. Sometimes it can be injury issues with just a different strain of the MLB season. You can ask Saya about that, but I'm optimistic. And then you have Swingman in Jordan Wicks and the savior of Damascus, Javier Assad, who played very, very well at other points this season. I Tom Ricketts better pony up for the uh, for Belly in the offseason because for for those who haven't read into it. The Bellinger contract was three years, $80 million, but it's kind of a misleading contract and a, a rare L from, from a Boris client because looking at some of the various projections from outlets in the offseason, Tim Britton of The Athletic projected Cody Bellinger was going to get six years, $162 million. Jim Bowden of The Athletic, seven years, $181 million. 
MLB trade rumors, 12 years, $264 million. And then Fangraphs, a modest, but still way higher than this, six years, $150 million. In terms of average annual value, that one was closest to the truth, where this year it's $30 million, next year it's $30 million, both with player options, and then the last year being 20 It's a team-friendly deal that protects you against the fact that if Cody falls off a cliff again, you have the $30 million cap this year and next year, and then even if he's bad and is just collecting a check, 20 mil isn't that bad. It's it's kind of a win-win, I think. Even if Bellinger is okay, he probably opts out and just looks for a longer-term contract anyway. I am content if it was not abundantly clear. Raven, what is your anti-Cubs propaganda? Nothing. I'm going to good. Just, <laughs> just bite the towel here and be quiet. In all seriousness, I... I do have some doubts about the pen where I think of Wicks and Javier Assad play significant innings and have to do spot starting, then you're getting into a place where if, like, their back-end guys being Jose Cuas, who was a good acquisition last year, has to play a significant role, or Yancy Almonte has to play a significant role. Not that I don't believe in Hayden Wisniewski, who has been talked about as a starter at times, too, and could maybe even play spot minutes there. Adbert Alzale, another guy who has been hit or miss and will likely serve as the team's closer coming into the year. I think the pen, similar to some of the rotations we talk about, is, is one bad injury or one or two underperformers away from being a real weakness, but for obvious reasons... And I think practical ones, I think we can say with Ballinger, this is a team that will go at least slightly over, and if you want to be optimistic, has a chance, along with the Cardinals, to be in a division battle where both teams are are creeping up on 90 wins. Next, Cincinnati Reds. Weird one. Over under 81 and a half. Yeah. Significant acquisitions. Frankie Montas, Brent Suter... Milwaukee legend, Heimer Condelario, center Austin Wynn, or Jesus, catcher Austin Wins, relief pitcher Nick Martinez, and Emilio Pagan. Barely better than the 24th ranked White Sox in ERA plus last year. Hunter Green is still a 4-8 ERA pitcher with no off speed. They are the team I think most significantly benefits from one of the Boris three remaining. Chapman brings up a mid-offense that would and he's a guy that would eat a great american and then still montgomery would make me way less nervous about a team that has andrew abbott as their number two starter but i think with any pitching acquisition christian incarnacion strand who is going to be starting at first base ellie de la cruz jonathan india matt mcclain another young guy with an 864 ops in 330 ab's last year they make up a solid hitting core and it's a team that I, I honestly think I feel like I'm underselling right now. It's a team that has brought up good starters over the last few years and maintains people like Novelli Marte, uh, TJ Friedel, I mean, obviously Ellie and McLean. Tyler Stevenson has been there forever. 
this is a team that might be fighting at the top of the division too if everything breaks right, which again plays into this narrative that we're trying to build about the Central being better than people thought. I say over. I agree. I think if some injuries kind of happen, they could be fighting for like a one or two spot in the Central realistically. Next, Milwaukee Brewers. Let's go. Over under 77 and a half. Acquisitions, I think, honestly, the biggest one is Joey Ortiz, a shortstop that they got in the Corbin Burns deal, who is, has a chance to just play immediately. And then Reese Hoskins. They have a top three system. And then post-council and Corbin Burns, this is clearly a team looking to rebuild. But I think they're set up to retool. Ortiz will get some run immediately, and then they have a tippy-top prospect in Alfredo Jackson Churio. And then I know you don't love this, but I feel kind of I feel kind of stupid for not hating Freddie Peralta with Jacob Junis, DL Hall, Wade Miley, who has had some, you know, some sneaky great years. He can give you six innings with three runs. Like. But he's not gonna get you. And like a let alone William win. Contreras is like a top 30, top 25 position player in there too. Shout out Robert Gasser, Dude, who finally gives you a... My custom jersey. A, is your custom jersey is like super prescient. I need, a, I need to have him sign it. I need to now. He can have... I would pay for, for the tickets to make it possible. Oh, man. Not actually, but... <laughs> Brewers Cubs tickets gotta be cheap. This year, probably cheap. I mean, division games are always always questionable, but I, I think we can make an exception. Look, in totality, I think that with the top three teams fighting amongst each other in the way that they are and winning at a rate that people might not expect, I have to say under because I think that the Brewers are just a step below after everything they've done. But this is not a a this is a seven win under team. It is like two or three. Yeah, I'm taking the over just because mm-hmm. I've seen Brewer teams look like this and still put up eighty wins. So anything's still in the picture for me. So I'm just taking eight like over eighty wins probably. And frankly, I would agree with you if they still had counsel. Yeah, that's kind of the big if. We didn't here. we didn't talk about that enough with the Cubs. Uh, we don't need to. Yes, we do. No. I glossed over it because it was months ago. But Dude, he talked about like first thing he said in spring training was like, "Oh, how does it feel like being being a Cubs manager?" And he's like, "Oh, it's great seeing people in the stands." I'm like, "God." <laughs> I was hoping you'd be mad about that, but it's no. It's funny, but it is annoying. Look. I think David Ross kind of got a raw deal in some ways considering this is a team on the ascent that he's not going to be able to be a part of. It it stinks strongly of Mark Jackson getting fired right before Steve Kerr became the coach of the Warriors. Not that that's what's going to happen, but the same kind of power, uh, like the same kind of almost betrayal where it's, Oh, okay, so now this guy is going to reap the benefits of everything that I've sowed. And Council is definitely someone with a pedigree of doing more with less. And I think that is the truest appraisal of a manager or a coach that you can find in sports. Council is one of those guys, so 
that is why I think he is worth enough wins to push them under, just for me. Pirates are over under 75 and a half. They kept Mitch Keller. Good job. There was a whole piece in the athletic about the Pirates and their culture of losing, which kind of underscores just the state of this franchise. Brian Reynolds, O'Neal Crudels, maybe Henry Davis, and then Keller deserve better. They have a top 10 system with a lot of pitching coming down the pipeline. They have some bets, and I'm open to Aroldis Chapman, Martin Perez, and then a Cabrian Hayes breakout proving me wrong and then pushing their way into the middle here. But they they feel like the team set to benefit the least from the the churning in the central this year. So I landed on under. I agree. Still rebuilding under. Okay. Moving on to the scary teams. NL East. Braves over under a hundred one and a half. <laughs> so ridiculous. Uh okay. Acquisitions. Chris Sale. Ron Grisham, fine. Like, there's a world where that trade doesn't work out because Grisham becomes awesome, and then Sale continues to have the injury issues that have plagued him since he left Chicago, but whatever, you got Chris Sale. Max Stassi, David Fletcher, Jared Kalanick, and Marco Gonzalez. They've traded away, like, their entire system, but for clearly good reason. <sighs> Pitching and bullpen. Starting rotation, Spencer Strider, Max Freed, Charlie Morton, Chris Sale as their fourth starter, and Bryce Elder, who was good, and he's the fifth starter. Ronaldo Lopez, Oscar Yanoa, Rice Iglesias, AJ Minter in the pen. I don't think we need to continue in pulling their, uh, yanking their chain here. Um, Position players that are projected at or just at over or just under 100 WRC plus deep breath. Ronald Acuna, Matt Olson, Austin Riley, Michael Harris, Ozzy Albies are all way over. I don't know why I said Ozzy that way. Marcel Azuna, Sean Murphy, Jared Kelenic, and then Orlando Arcia is your ninth hitter. They have the top projected board from batters. They are second in pitching. They are my personal pick for, I know we're going to get to the Dodgers, but this is my team for best record in the regular season. Over. Yeah, over. It's kind of stupid. It, it's, 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 it's No, okay. It's ridiculous because 100 wins is really hard. And it, it is a very big set. Great team, like a really great team. And so to just take that while ignoring the injury risk that guys like, Freed and Morton and Sale all pose. I'm hearing you out, and that's why I think it is reasonable to go under if you have questions about that. But, like, the position player group is so dominant, and then they add Kellenic, a guy who could get even better alongside the rookie of the year. And then a, that if Kellenic gets better, that is, like, one of the most terrifying outfields that we have seen in a time. Like, if he becomes a four-war player, war. Why am I pronouncing things today? If they have, like, a 20-war outfield, <laughs> it just becomes stupid at a certain point. And I, I believe in that just to carry the day, even if they have some injuries in the rotation. Phillies, over under 89 and a half. Acquisitions, Whit Merrifield, Spencer Turnbull, and Kobe Allard, ew, but okay. And then they locked up Aaron Nola. Andrew Payton, 
Painter leads a mid system as a right-handed pitcher recovering from Tommy Johns, but anyone else of note is pretty far off. Is there any lingering disappointment from going to seven games in the NLCS last year that causes them to get, I said, I phrased it as meted. You get, you get meted, you metzed, metzed. I don't know what the way to pronounce I don't know it would be, what the proper but I, I know what you're trying to say. Look, Castellanos was an all-star last year and isn't getting younger. Trey Turner had a miraculous comeback over the course of last season, and that's no guarantee after he started terrible. Their pen is awesome, and they have, I think, projected by war either the best or one of the two or three best. Jose Alvarado, Matt Strom, Jeff Hoffman, Gregory Soto, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Orion Kirkering, Junior Marte, and then even Allard is going to play, at least in the pen. Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, and Rager Suarez are also good starting pitchers, but forgive me if Taiwan Walker does not inspire as a starter in 2024. This is a close one, but for they're in a division with a team that I think might win 113 games, and so I'm comfortable landing on the under, even if I, I do believe in this position player group. I'm disagreeing. I'm saying over, but not by much. Fair. Mets, over under 81 and a half. Big acquisitions, relief pitcher Shintaro Fujinami, relief pitcher Jake Diekman, Adam Adovino, a fallen off Shamanaya, Harrison Bader, Jorge Lopez, Michael Tonkin, Austin Adams, and then shortstop Joey Wendo, a ton of pitching. The Mets built their system towards the middle where it was lower after trading their big contracts with, those, with Verlander and Scherzer. No shit, but their, their pitching fell off a cliff without two big vets, and now Quintana, Luis Severino, Shamanaya, Adrian Hauser, and Kodai Senga, and then the wrong McGill are are a pitching group that doesn't inspire much confidence unless Senga takes, like, takes me by surprise at least. I am not in a position to say too much about him, but there there is a fulcrum there where it could become a decent rotation at least. Their bats are still probably top 10. They so badly need Brett Beatty, third baseman, to get a lot better. They were very close to league average last year, but they still have that core of certain Starling Marte, Pete Alonso, Jeff McNeil, Francisco Lindor, Brandon Nimmo, etc. The projection is 81.5 for a reason, though. I mean, it's, it's the pitching and then a lack of significant variance for a lot of guys that aren't young. It's more of a what could go wrong again, and because it's the Mets, I just assume something will, and so I landed on under. I agree. I just don't understand. We want to talk about curses in sports. This is... That's a curse. This is a cursed franchise that I... I'm sure we will talk about the Mets again as something weird happens because it always does, and they have one... Look, at least their ownership tried to spend, and so I don't want to denigrate them too hardly for that, but wow, it fell apart so fast. Marlins, over under 7, 8, eight and a half. Biggest acquisition, Tim Anderson. Not much else to talk about. They have a low rank system for a team that could use some guys. They had a lot of younger players and international free agents stalling out that dragged it down a lot, and then they traded away some players. They drafted two high upside pitchers at the beginning of last year's draft that could end up making a difference. 
So keep an eye on that. This is not a, they're a middling team with no hope because of a bad farm system. It is just influx. They're, they're always sneaky. And they have a very, very exciting active rotation in Yuri Perez, Jesus Lazardo, Braxton Garrett, who were all great young players, and then also Trevor Rogers and Eduardo Cabrera. They, there's a world where that is like a top three rotation. And they would need Brian De La Cruz or Jazz Chisholm or Tim Anderson to remember or discover how to be an all-star in De La Cruz's case. Their bats aren't good enough to weigh overachieve, but it's the Marlins, so I'm kind of inclined to believe some weird shit's going to happen, and that one will. I land on over because I think that rotation is awesome, and they have a chance just to carry them to 80 wins. Yeah, I'm abstaining. Fair. <laughs> I don't know about much about the Marlins, sadly, but... But they have fun names. They do. Nationals, over under 66 and a half. Again, terrible team, but, I mean, no point in looking at acquisitions, really. Major prospects are Dylan Cruz, James Wood, and Brady House. All top good, good top 50 prospects in overall rankings, but this is just a beat roster. Bats are only really projected to be better than the Rockies and White Sox. Pitchers are really only projected to have more war than the Rockies. C.J. Abrams, former tippy-top prospect himself, was a 3-4 war player last year, even with a sub-100 OPS+. plus. If he takes an offensive step and the lineup behind him with with uh, a functional Kyber release and vets like Corey Dickerson and Lane Thomas, I kind of landed on that one of these really bad teams has to overachieve a little, and I think that the Nationals at least have the hitting quote-unquote core to to surprise some people and elevate them to 68 to 72 wins. And so I landed on over. But, like, again, it's it's mostly quibbling because it's just me, like, hedging bets really insane. It's like, oh, one of these teams has to not be complete dog water. No offense to... Josiah Gray and Patrick Corbin. I think if they can hit consistently, then they have a shot, but I, I'll take the over. Jumping to the NL West. Dodgers. <laughs> over under 103 and a half. Mm. It's unbelievable. Acquisitions, Kiki Hernandez, I think just two days ago. James Paxton, Teoscar Hernandez. Yoshinobu Yamamoto, Shohei Otani. Wait, really? When that happened, <laughs> they brought back Joe Kelly and then casually traded for Tyler Glasnow. The casually trading for Tyler Glasnow is pretty insane. Well, it's just, it's just the fact that that they got. I grant that they spent a billion dollars on them. Deferred, but deferred whatever enough of play. No deference talk. <laughs> I'm not. I wasn't gonna go anywhere with it, but no, I I, I agree with you. It, but it's just it's insane to think about that. Yes, even though it's still like 46 million is gonna be applied to the cap as it's deferred. That's still a lot less than 70, and it was enough to help get Yoshinobu Yamamoto and Teoscar Hernandez, a guy who has gotten MVP votes in the past. So 
great. Pitching is still constantly blooming for a top three farm system, and they just got Jackson Ferris in the Michael Bush trade, as we mentioned earlier, future Cubs legend Michael Bush. This is a team that just casually added an awesome slugger to end an offseason of getting potentially the greatest baseball player ever, and then the only Japanese free agent in recent memory to have anywhere near the same level as hype of as him. I... I'm going to be a, is it a hater? Is it a contrarian? Is it just a, a skeptical, skeptical, skeptical observer to say that I don't know how good Yoshinobu Yamamoto is going to be. He might be incredible, but it's his first year in the big leagues. I, I think there's a world where both Glass now, a recovering Walker Bueller, even like Bobby Miller, Play better than him. It's first year in the big leagues. He's on a 12 years contract. The average annual value on that's pretty good. Maybe he just struggles to adjust a little bit. Maybe they have some injuries or just not. The, okay, we can't bet on injuries here. So that's not that's not a fair question to say. But Shohei's not going to be able to pitch. That also makes a difference. And so while there is that sticker shock and that immediate discussed with how good this team is going to be they also got a really good year from jason hayward last year james outman was awesome as a rookie and they're relying on guys who have had up and down seasons before in max Muscy and gavin lux kiki hernandez is a good depth piece but it is what it is they sell chris chris taylor he's been up and down before too i am saying under because i do think that there is the like i think that they frankly have more questions because of Shohei's current injury, not knowing about Yamamoto, really, and then guys like Bueller, like, recovering, Kershaw might not even hit 100 innings this year. I'm saying under, because I think they have more questions than a 103.5 team should. Also for the culture. I'm going over because it's fun, and I want to see them win if they're spending this much money. I want to see them lose if they're spending this much money because I think it's funny. And that would be fun. The shot in Freud would be delicious, but I, in all seriousness, I think that the Braves are better, and I think that I know that that is absolutely just like taking my stand on a pretty hot take, but I think that the Braves are better. I think that their pitching is scarier, and I think that the hundredth percentile version of the Dodgers is like a hundred and thirty wins, granted, but. I'm willing to to bet that maybe they don't hit that. Granted, they also have a great farm system, so inevitably they're just going to bring up another guy that wins Rookie of the Year. And it won't matter. Diamondbacks, over under 83.5. Steep drop-off of 20 wins between the top two teams in the NL West. Their major acquisitions in the, in the offseason were Eugenio Suarez on the cheap. Eduardo Rodriguez, a good middle rotation starter. They re-signed Lourdes Gurriel and got Jock Peterson. Jordan Lawler is a big bat coming up from a farm system that is in the top five. Drew Jones, who is supposed to be the big prospect drafted next to Jackson Holiday and is still in the top 50, was hurt a ton last year, but if he can remain healthy and productive, has that superstar prospect potential too. And then they have more position player depth. No real starting pitcher talent on the way, which is why Eduardo Rodriguez is a great grab, but they have some reliever talent coming up too. 
they added bounce back candidates for position players, and then the Zach uh, Gallon Merrill Kelly combo is sick. Rodriguez adds that mid rotation arm, but they are great Montgomery and I think Matt Chapman teams too. It's gonna be tight, but I also am like. Look, we can talk about it being a, a team coming off a World Series loss, but I don't think this is the Philadelphia Eagles where it's like a veteran-laden team that's going to get old and fell, fall off now that they lost a big game. They Cor- Carroll is not exactly... Uh, Carroll has a lot to live up to after his rookie season, but they have, still have Cattell Marte, Christian Walker, and then, like... Guys in the back of the rotation too, Brandon Fat and Ryan Nelson, have a chance to, to be reliable. Pavin Smith still exists. I I think it will be a tight over, but they need another addition. I think Chapman is is the the guy for this team. Plus, they need to spend money on something. Taking the under, I think. In the last few years, especially, they've been really mid, but I think they just need, yeah, one or two more pieces, and I think they're good. I think that's fair, but I also think that the rest of this division is informing my my prediction here because next we have the Padres at 81.5, who their big acquisitions were Wandy Parata and then Yuki Matsui and Wusa Go pitching all the way around. They have the number three prospect in the game in Ethan Salas, who is 18 years old, so it's not uh, making a huge difference anytime soon. And they have a lot of other good prospects, just a bit down the pike in a way that makes it more of an average farm system rather than a great one that's going to help them right now. Joe Musgrove, Yu Darvish, Michael King are all cool. Tatis, Machado, Luis Camposano, Bogarts, Kastan Kim is a good position player core. I just think we're heading towards some of these guys getting traded. And I, I, it's another story I don't think we necessarily covered immediately, but Peter Seidler, their owner passing away at 63, only underlies what I think will be a decrease in payroll and a readjustment to rebuilding. He was a guy that very clearly cared about building a winner and invested the money and the time and resources into doing so, and was also a figure in the community. It's sad, and rest in peace to him, and I don't like using that to inform this, like, actual baseball analysis, but I do think it makes more likely that they're going to sell off and try to reconstitute around maybe just Tatis and Camposano, and so guys like Darvish and Musgrove might be out the door pretty soon. So I'm saying under because I think that they are going to trade too many guys to be this good. I think I agree. I think that it's not going to be by much, but under as well, yeah. Another, if you want to talk about notorious mid, uh, Giants also over under 81 and a half. They just got Jorge Soler, who was an all-star last year for the Marlins. Relief pitcher Austin Warren, Jordan Hicks, catcher Tom Murphy, Robbie Ray, who they traded for, and then a young shortstop and Otto Lopez. They have low-level guys that might be future exciting prospects, but it's a bottom 10 system. Logan Webb and Jordan Hicks are a good idyllic one and two. It You just need Jordan Hicks to actually be a starting pitcher, which is not something that we know he can do. 
Patrick Bailey, a, their young catcher, supplanting Joey Bart as an actual good pick is a really funny turn of events after Joey Bart was supposed to be the guy that um, that replaced Buster Posey. But, hey, if it works, it works. Him breaking out would help this projection a lot. Soler was a great slugger for the Marlins, and I think will make a difference. I'm just scared of their shallow starting pitching and the idea of relying on sustained hitting from the likes of Lamont Wade Jr. and J.D. Davis. And maybe... They might even be re- really relying on the the youthful Marso Luciano, Marco, Jesus Christ, for uh, for me to be confident in them reaching anywhere close to this. They seem to be in this forever retool. Plus Brandon Crawford, it it's going to take a miracle or an actual commitment to rebuilding to escape, which is why I, similar to the Padres, landed on the under. Yeah, I agree. I mean, <clears throat> this team has no reminiscence of this team that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm just really waiting for the days that Tim Lindsay come 30 for 30 comes out because it's going to be so good. There's YouTube. I do the YouTube dive because oh, there are, there are some great ones, story. but I do want to see the professional, like full story element of it as well. So proper cinematography, Rocky, <laughs> Rocky's, What's the opposite of a cherry on top? Um, I got you. Thank you. Over under 59 and a half. Uh, this is a joke. Their top three pitching prospects. I forgot this happened. Their top three pitching prospects announced Tommy John surgery on the same day last year. <laughs> this is a bottom 10 system. Denver's a great city, and I feel bad for it Chris is. Bryant. But under... <laughs> Only thing I'm betting over on this is total home runs at the Mile High Stadium. The one thing about the fair, the one thing I want to read into a little bit more on the Rockies is the fact that a lot of their position players and pitchers have stalled in development in recent years as they have ascended through the minors because of extreme hitting conditions and have just not performed that well once they actually get up there. Coors makes it hard. And that's why, I mean, guys like John Gray, who now has a ring for the Rangers, had an up-and-down career there. And I I would be curious to see how they readjust their developmental strategies as this seems to be an issue plaguing them recently. The Rockies have had... I mean, they have a good history, and it's it's a team that it seems like Colorado loves when they're good. So it's disappointing to see them continue to be the butt of, of the overall joke, but I sincerely think them, the A's, and the White Sox might combine for like 330 losses. So under. All right. We did it. We did it. Every single team. Every single team, uh, my highly nuanced and Ravens uh, spot-on marks for, for betting. So... Real quickly before we close this up, running through AL Central, the Twins, I had the over, Raven had the over, the Tigers, I had the over, Raven had the under. Let me know if there are any of these that you want to like call a lock or uh, like put a pin in, like mark and ink, I'll say. Tigers, Raven said the under, Guardians, 
I said the under. Raven said the under. Royals. I say the under. Raven says the under. White Sox. I will write this in pen under. And then Raven said a sneaky over. Moving on. Yankees. I just, I really dookied on the, uh, the AL Central. AL East. Yankees. I say under. Raven says over. Orioles. We both said over. Blue Jays. We both said under. Rays. We both said under. And then Red Sox. We both said under. They do say that under is smarter betting, but you know, maybe I should reevaluate. Um, I'm willing to put the Red Sox in pen as well. Astros, I said over. Raven also said over. I will I'll put that one in pen too. Can you just put Caratini getting 35 stolen bases? I'm gonna underline pen? that just so that I'll make I'll make a note on that. <laughs> Rangers. I say under, if there was a way that I could like say I'm not confident in something, that's the one. Mariners, I say over, Raven abstained. Angels, I said under. Raven said that you need to contact the betting helpline if you consider this, which I guess I'll say is an under. Yes. Athletics, we both have a nausea-induced under. National League in, in the Central, Cardinals, we both said over. Cubs, we both said over. I won't put it in pen. Reds, I said over. So did Raven. Brewers, Raven said over. I said under. And then the Pirates, we both said under. Braves, we both said over. Phillies, I said the under. Raven hit the over. Mets, I hit the under. Raven did too. Marlins, I said over. Raven abstained. Nationals, we both hit the over. Dodgers, I hit under for the culture. Raven said over for the fun. Diamondbacks, I said over. Raven said under. Padres, I said under. Raven also said under. Giants, two unders. And then Rockies, a disappointed double under. Raven. Yes. What, what did you talk about on the F1 show this week? Ooh, well, first race is on Saturday in uh, Bahrain, Qatar, so that will be very, very fun. Oliver and I went over what pre-season, uh, what preseason testing really kind of forced, forebodes for the year. Uh, all the breakdowns of some of the stuff that we saw gave a little bit of a drive to survive um, opinions about it so far, and... Just a little bit of a pick on who we think is going to do good. Who do you think is going to win? I mean, we all know Max Verstappen is going to win, but um, I think it's going to be Oliver and I agreed. Red Bull, Ferrari, McLaren, Mercedes is the top four. All right. Raven, thank you very much for sitting through this with me. Looking forward to baseball here in the city and in general. Thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you for Ernie Banks for justifying the jersey I am wearing. Uh, make sure to listen to everything else on the Elite Field Network. Thank everyone for listening. Have a great rest of your week.